Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Let me ask you a question. Um, Go for it. Like, I want you to think about this. Mm-hmm. All right. How many friends do you think you have made just off the first interaction head nod? I mean, I, man, I think that's how we became friends. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have some, there's no like storybook. We were in the same yeah. chess club, football team. Remember the Titans? Like, I think we just were like, nice shoes, man. You, you too. All right. See you tomorrow. Then next day. Hey man, shoes keeping your shoes clean, and then it just grows from there, yeah. you know. And then so like, and yeah. then anybody that you introduced me to was like, "This is Alvin, right? What's up, man?" And then yeah, now we're cool. So I would say, I mean, most of my friendships are come from like a, "Hey man, what's up? Uh, hot outside, huh? Yeah, it's hot as hell, man. You know, just staying cool. All right, man, you have a good one. You know, that's the that's yeah. the normal. I don't, yeah, I don't. I have. I wouldn't say. Um, I guess you can call them friends, I guess, but and that's also I was gonna ask you to clarify because me, I, I I have I have about I have you, about three I have about you, three friends. Right. I mean like people you I think I'm a lot of people's like, friends, but I'm not I have about three yes. friends. Well people you like if you see them, you would go oh, hey yeah. man, what's up? How you we're been? Cool. It's been a long time. We're cool. That type of thing. We're friendly, we're cool, right. buddies, right. so on and so forth. Those people I've met where it's just like we walk past each other a couple times and we just end up being just cool and then mm-hmm. after that that's pretty much we're not like talking outside of us running into for sure that is it yeah. that's kind of like where the if you want to call it a friendship whatever that's kind of where it stops but it also speaks to see now we can get into a conversation about toxic masculinity because when's the last time you asked another heterosexual man that you thought had a good vibe for their phone number i've run into somebody i used to play basketball with back in high school where i saw them at the bank and i was like hey man where the hoop at sure and he was like I'm doing one tonight. What's your number? And I go, hey, here's my that's, number. But you, and that's, that's business. That's business. That's business. We got to get these, we gotta get that, these buckets. Like, right. Other than that, I'm like, hey, man, what's your number so we can hang out? That, when, I don't when does that happen? And I, <laughs> it doesn't happen at all. Because after, the, after this, I'm going home and I'm going to my bubble and I don't. Exactly. But I mean, else. even, but, but, <laughs> but there's a, there's a deep or deeper level to there's re, the fear of rejection, the fear of looking weird. Are you saying I'm wrong? Am I from from off base? Tell me. But I'm saying I, I have not asked a man, another man, for their phone number. I'm, I'm. It's listen. It's Pride Month. I'm being open and honest about my own toxic, you know, uh, homophobic and uh, you know, toxic masculinity. My own internal internalized homophobia and going. I don't know, man. Sometimes I'm like, I don't. I don't want to ask him for their number. It feels weird if I go like, I like this guy's vibe. Yeah, that's you know what you I mean. You would like, have to. You guys will have to have something in common off the jump where it's like we can talk about this. Do you play this game? This. Do you exactly. go do you play basketball? Do you do that's you what I mean. That, that's business exactly. though. Yes. yes. Yeah, or you oh man, you like tacos? I got a taco spot. I'll text you the uh, the name of it. Give me your number. I'll text you the name of the taco spot. We both like tacos. Yeah. But just being like I think this guy would be fun to get a drink with and talk sports. I think most men have this block of like but that would be weird if I was like, let me get your phone number so we can go get a drink. It, it would be weird. That, let me tell you what. And example. I think that's, that's a, wrong because you're, you're cheating yourself out of a new friend. Yeah, that's true. But that's go ahead. True. Uh, I, I guess. But 
as a guy at work where just for some reason this guy always wear cologne. Uh-huh. Always wear cologne. Okay. Great cologne. I I've like I love the smell. Sure. So I go, hey man, hey, when you gonna let when you gonna put me on the cologne? Sure. Like, I'm gonna text you to you. I got you. He doesn't have my number. Okay. And I go, and I go, I go, okay, cool. But I wasn't going to go, hey, you need my hey, you still going, you need my number? I wasn't going to do that. It was like he says he doesn't have my number. Yeah. We both know you don't have my number. Yeah, so it's just so the thing like, to say. I won't ever get the cologne because I will never be like, well, bro, man, you supposed give to text me, me. Give me, yeah, <laughs> give me those numbers now. I got to know what that smell is like. Give me that. I got to get that smell off you. I need that. Text me. Text it to me when you get home. Send me a picture of it. Right. Right. Then you, but then you never know. It might go left. He sends you the picture of the cologne. Dick in the picture. Now you sent the wrong message because he thought because he thought you might have been enticing him because you complimented his cologne. Now you sent him the wrong message. So you can the relationship. The relationship. Is then all, you just can't. You got. You can't. You can't ever talk. You can't, can't ever see him again. No. You got to quit your job. So see, sometimes, sometimes asking somebody for their phone, this is why I don't do it. <laughs> now I'm getting dick pics in my phone because I say, "Hey man, I like your shoes. Uh, what's your best pair of shoe you got?" Now his dick is in the shoe because he thought I was giving him a, a compliment of the sexual nature. You know, sometimes it can be misconstrued. Sometimes the lines get crossed. Yeah, obvious, we got a problem here And it's more than just Alvin screaming Punisher When life begins to suck, who's reporting it? Luckily, you got two friends who you won't forget Coming live, Alvin and friend on survival Laughing non-stop, case drops on a cycle Louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone How they make the world seem bright with the lights off? AFs, it might as well stay up Lies being told like that dinosaur BS Magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us Having the time, roasting your favorite people Boozy ain't an option, it's the way Take it to the grave, have moving to the place You already know when they take the case Laugh the pain away, it's affirmative Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell man? Gonna post it. What up? Fran, how are we doing this evening, sir? How are you feeling? I, I'm feeling great. I'm not feeling the uh, effects of the, the terrible air quality that is polluting our nation. Man. Um, but, but other than that, I'm still standing You know, upward. I'm walking. I'm feeling good. Uh, and that's about it. You know something? We are going to breeze ever so gently into the apocalypse and i you know the last week has shown me that because people just kind of forecasted that like uh, it was uh you know like it was raining outside or something like that you know like yeah hey guys uh it looks like the book of eli outside so just you know wear your mask and uh have a nice day and nothing kind of there's fires in canada and baltimore and new york obviously new york's getting more of the spotlight but it's happening in baltimore as well where we are yeah has this weird haze over it like it's uh, Blade Runner 2049 and people are just kind of still going to work, still living their life. There's a fire so big and powerful that the smoke from the fire is polluting our air in America. The bills got to get paid. That's cr- I, I have to go out That's and crazy, work. Man, and, look, man. so what does that say about look me? Look at though? capitalism. You know, I, was th- I was thinking, I was thinking, hey, I got to get this money. Yeah. But I was thinking that while I was outside working. Can't breathe. I go, no, that wasn't my thought. My thought was, am I like this superhuman where I can just, my body is built that I can, I don't have to worry about like terrible air quality where I can breathe, I can still run, I'm st- my body's still working like a machine that I'm not 
This is not bothering me at all. I don't have people walking around with masks and stuff. I don't need to wear one of those. My lungs are, are you know, working to full capacity. You know, I'm feeling great. And I'm like, you know, if, if, if the world came, if the world just turned into this big old cloud where people need masks and gas masks, maybe I don't need one. Maybe I can just, I'm just, I'm just that special human. You ever thought about that? No, uh, I can't say that. I can't. I can't say my brain went there in the last uh, week or so, man. I don't think that I had that thought once. I don't think that that ever. Yeah, I didn't go there about it. You, yeah, you really were uh, sucking your own dick for like a, at work, just like man. I might have lungs that they never even seen before. Like these are just different lungs. I'm seeing people out here with masks on, and I don't need the mask, so it must be genetic superiority. Maybe it's just. I think I have this fascination with when I see movies and X Men. X Men, you're you saw X Men, and now you think X Men, or maybe like the Last of Us, something like where it's, where it's like I want to be that person that has a genetic, this unique, <laughs> the next, genetic the next, like, the, I survive. You want to be the next step in human evolution? Yeah. Where's man, it? Oh, I damn! Think I, I think I might be able to breathe underwater. All of us. I think I might be the only. I'm the first human that can breathe underwater, and the the tides are rising. And they're saying the world's gonna be underwater in like ten years, and I'm good. Or I'm the last hope of you know you, for humanity. The cure, like, you're the cure. They need me. You want to be the cure? Yeah, man. I don't know, man. I don't know if I could be a lab rat, man. That's like a, that's a tough life. But I respect it. You know, I, I get it. I get it. Um, it was, it was, you know, I, I, I was wondering how we were gonna get into talking about the smog and or the smoke from Canada, and we did it yeah. in a really interesting way. So salute to you, man. Your brain. Never ceases to amaze me. I don't know how we got to that from yeah. the smoke in, in Canada being here, but we did it, you know. And um, I'm also interested to hear your thoughts on this. This has been um, shout out to Sarah Turney and um, uh, Eric from True Consequences and a lot of other awesome podcasters that have that are re- that are really people whose family has uh, suffered a tragedy and they've taken that tragedy and, and decided to take their story into their own hands and tell it. And so I've had a lot of cool conversations and interesting conversations about ethics and true crime. And last week I found out about this new trend on TikTok. I'm hoping it's been handled since, but AI, we've seen a lot of cool stuff from AI. You've you've talked to me about chat GPT, right? Where there's Mm -hmm. scripts and things, the the AI is writing things for people. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen a lot of AI photos. I saw there, there's this thing happening on, on TikTok that I think is funny because it seems harmless. They're taking stills from pornography, right? So like taking Mm -hmm. stills from porno, two people in a porno scene, but just their neck up. So you just see like, you know, a dude and a woman. And then they're able to put like um, pan out of the, like, like widen the shot and mm-hmm. then type in, uh, fill in the, fill, fill, it, fill in the space around them. And it'll, yeah. it'll go from like, you know, two people having sex to them having, doing a salsa dance. Yeah. And then you could be like, I want to, somebody put a, a baby in the corner. You can type that in and a baby will pop up. Like AI is going in crazy places and a new trend that's happening on TikTok in the true crime world is there are people making these uh, AI generated videos where they voice over um, JonBenet Ramsey t- telling her own story uh, and Frank telling her own story, you know, um, and it, it, well, this is a clear example of like, this is over the line. This is sick and disturbing and upsetting and gross, but it, but I need people to understand that we can't just have this reaction when it's the obvious one that's like, no, this is absolute, this is wrong. Like there's no middle ground to this or whatever, because there is a, a bigger conversation to be had about ethics and 
how you approach doing content in the space and everything like that. But we don't, that's, that's a bigger conversation for another day. How did yeah. you feel when, first of all, have you seen any of these and how did you feel I've, when you I, saw? I've, where did I, I, I see the, the, the outrage I saw, you saw Twitter, first. I think. Yeah, you saw that first. I saw first. on Twitter. And I said, what is this? So I went to, they had the, uh, the TikTok account uh-huh. information on Twitter. I go to TikTok and I go to it. I go. I was surprised it was still up. For sure. By the time I saw it, I was like, I was like, okay, this may it may have been taken down by now. Yeah. So by the time I go, when I get to it, I see it's still up. The first one I seen, and, and it's probably the most viewed one, is with the John Benet Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I go, okay. I I I, I hesitated to even so, even watch watch it. it. Yeah. So I did. Same. I maybe watched like the first couple seconds of it. And Same. I go. Okay. I thought it was. Now. Just to clarify, it is it's crossing the line. I think you know it should be taken down for sure. I thought it was it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought they created some type of AI created video where like they somehow show had, show the murder or so, some not show the murder oh. but show the act showed her like moving like I just thought it was like a you thought it was the, more involved. The, I thought it was more involved than just like it's I, just a head the head's moving a, the lips are moving. Yes, it's, they they take a still photo. Mm-hmm. And they just make it into this motion type of where the picture's moving. And, which I, and she tells her story. Right. I've have, And the thing about that is that technology, I'll say, is pretty cool because I've done that before. Because I've there's apps where you can take... I've done it with my mom where you, like, you put a picture in and yeah. you can kind of... It seems like they're moving. For so sure. it kind of gives you this 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 joyness a little bit of yeah. like... You get to see him, see him again. Move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. So I, I know about that technology, but to do it where... Some of the information that they're putting in these videos are false. Some of it is not, not, not well researched. Exactly. And it's, insensi- this, it's insensitive to the family. For sure. But to have these young babies kind of talk about the uh, tragedy they endured to, for, it's sick. En- for entertainment as like, it's just, it was very depressing and gloomy and type it, of and it's feeling ex- that I it, got. And it's exploitive. Yes, if that person's sure. account makes any money off of making a person uh, against their will tell yeah. their story from the grave. Yeah. It is reminiscent of which if, I've never seen a concert of this. I don't know if it took off the way we thought it was going to take off, but Tupac at Coachella like 10 years ago. Yeah. And then this whole wave of everybody saying, oh, we maybe we're going to do a Amy Winehouse uh, virtual uh, hologram concert Uh, everybody was maybe going to do a hologram concert and then music music artists had to come out and go hey man when i die don't do that shit i don't that shit's weird and it's exploitive and you're i don't have any consent in that and i don't want that and then it never really i'm sure you could go to vegas and go to some shitty casino or maybe a good casino and see something like that but when that tupac coachella moment happened i was like Oh, this is like the future of, of concerts. That's what I thought. I thought that was going to be the stand. Like you could go see anybody. You, you're going to go see the Beatles. You can go see anybody yeah. you want to go see. And I think that the, I think the music industry put the kibosh on that. I think they were like, this is sick. And also, I don't think people received it like the masses. I don't think the masses received it like they thought. they were. I don't think I don't think people were like, this is awesome. I think at, at the best, people were like, oh, that was kind of cool, I guess. And at the worst, people were like. That was not okay. Like that didn't yeah. feel right. Yeah, I was shocked that it didn't t- that didn't take off, but um, I still think it will. Sometimes things like that. You well, know, with virtual reality, not, yeah. I mean, we're going into a different space for sure. Yeah, I, like, th- yeah. I think you know if if they can find a way to 
families to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. I think you can get the consent from families where it's like, if it feels know, ethical, if it feels ethical, if it's yes, they, if they're still getting money, I mm-hmm. think, hey man, money talks for sure. If if they can find a way to do that where it's like not exploitive and it's benefiting the families, I think it will. I think that will come back, but because I just we're going. No, no, you finish your point. Yeah, so I, I I think it will come back, but I do want to mention that AI technology is going to a place that I I've never you know I, I heard about it years ago before it became big what it is now. Mm-hmm. I think that AI is so powerful and it's going to get this is the bit this is infancy. It, it's this is going the to infancy. get way more powerful oh, than yeah. what it is now. Oh, and I think it's going to make us dumb dumber than we have generations past us. Is I mean it's like. Chat GPT, you can type in something and it would just create. It's no effort and mm-hmm. man, it's like, making remember, movie like, scripts. They're not just, they're not great, but it's the infancy, and you can get a movie script made. Yes. through Chat GPT. Now let me the, yes. the, at, at its infancy, and this is probably happening right now. If you if you're uh, somebody with connections enough in Hollywood, you can get Chat GPT to write up a script for a pilot for a TV show, write up yep. a script for a movie, and then just peer review it. Yeah, and it and, so and, much time. and fix it up the parts where they say a weird sentence. Exactly. You, so you've done uh, Chat GPT has done seventy five percent of a pilot for a script for a TV show. You go, I want it to be funny. I want it to be black. I want it to be uh, kind of R rated, and they'll make something up. And then you re- you read through it and you go, I didn't. This is an idea that I didn't yeah. come up with. I like yeah. the concept. Let me clean it up a bit, and now I have a script for a TV show. Yep. And this is it's the crazy. infancy, you know. But just to get back on topic, yes, AI is going crazy places. Yeah. But what I was going to jump in and say to you was about the family thing as far as the um, holograms go. And I guess we can we can tie it back into this AI true crime thing, which I think is just wrong and shouldn't be done. But the point is, like, it's still exploitive, even if you talk to the family, because the person's dead. They can never give their consent. So we, so you're, you're so like you say money talks. What if what if uh, Prince, which we know Prince is a bad example because of course he said this. What if but let's just I, I said it so let's stick with it even though we already know it's true. What if Prince said to his closest next closest sibling, a sister or whatever, hey man, when I die, I don't want my music released, I don't want to be a hologram, I don't want anything. But then they go to Prince's sister and they go, we'll give you a hundred million dollars. And she goes, you know something? He didn't really mean that. You know, Prince, sometimes he would say stuff and he didn't really mean it. So now you're now money does talk. And money can talk enough to make somebody go against somebody's explicit wishes. Because it, it, you can never get the permission from that person. And money talks, like you said. So you can go, hey, man, John Lennon said, I never want my music to be used without my permission or my say or my creative input. I never want that to happen. And then you go to Yoko Ono and you're like, okay, well, how about $50 million? She goes, well, I mean, you can buy a lot of big hats with $50 million. So I will, you can do whatever you want with his likeness because it's mine. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if Yoko Ono's family or her owned his, owns his likeness. But in the, for the sake of argument, let's just say one person is in charge of John Lennon's likeness and it's her. And they can go to her with a check big enough to make her change her mind on respecting his wishes. So but this is also aside from you should not be taking victims of Charles Manson or victims no, of, 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 you know, uh, 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 Jeffrey Dahmer and come, having them come back to life and go, I like Jeffrey. But then he turned he betrayed me, you know, and it's weird. And with the music and it's a whole thing, it's wrong and it's, it's insensitive to the families and it's exploitive. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a 
a lawsuit or something. That's oh I, no, for line. sure, something. for sure. Because because in this in this specific situation, I think this is like a universal fuck no. I don't know anybody who's defending it. I mean, if, even if you go, you know something, I found it kind of educational because I didn't know this part and it was this it was this uh, interesting way to absorb it because it, it hit an emotional string. Nobody's saying that publicly. Even if somebody goes, you know something, seeing her move and tell her story affected me in this way that really made it stick to me in a way that it hasn't before. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying that in defense of this. Either most, any, anybody who's like, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad is quiet as fuck. And anybody who goes, this was disgusting, like myself and your and you and yourself are yeah. pretty loud about it. Like, no, this is fucking wrong. Like, this is not yeah. okay. So there's no real middle ground. It's it's like the the no's are really loud and the yeses for it, I haven't seen. I haven't seen anybody go, Well, you know, I think it's cool. I think it's fine. I don't think it's any problem with it. Like if you at the best you're like, ah, it's a little uh, but but I get it. It was entertaining. You're not saying that out loud. No. So no. This is different than the music thing because you go because you might go I fucking love, bro I love Amy Winehouse I'm an Amy Winehouse super fan I think she's one of the best artists we've ever seen I would never put a dime in her father's pocket father's pocket because he exploited her while she was alive and forced her to do stuff shows and and all kind of stuff while she was clearly in need of help and in her death I'm gonna go see a concert uh, that he is giving the yes to let happen and he gets money in his pocket. Fuck no. Because I, because I respect the artist that I love that much that I, I know she wouldn't want that to be the case. I'm being exploited. And my father who was using me and taking advantage of me, he's profiting off of it still from the, I still don't get the rest. He still gets to exploit me and take advantage of me from the grave. No. So, but that's just cause I happen to know that that situation a little more deeply, but for somebody who goes, I don't know, man. I love Biggie Smalls. I mean, but it was these artists had such such great music. I mean, like, why? I don't. I just to me, I think a tribute. I, go, I think a, a medley concert is fine. If you want to do a concert where a, you want to do a Biggie Smalls concert and and, and Jada Kiss comes out and and Rick Ross comes out and they rap Biggie Smalls' songs, that's cool. But having a a Biggie Smalls with the chains and a come out, you know, what I, mean? I just think I get what you're saying about. Yeah, people love his music and keep his music alive. But it's just something about having a, a a fake him come out. And also to go back to the Tupac one, they had him like come down from heaven. And then when it was over, he like angel wings and then he turned into glitter. It was just. I thought it was dope, man. I thought it was awesome. I, I did. They, they did one for Michael Jackson, too, I believe. They probably did. It was around. The, it was the all Tupac around. The, one was, it was dope. I'm sorry. I can't. If anybody got. I just. I thought it was awesome. I thought, oh no! When it this happened, is going to be the future, I I went, oh this is this is going to be dope. For sure, that's what I thought. And that's the thing, like at surface value, when you just go, wait, this is a thing. I was like sixteen when that we were like kid, we were kids when that should happen. That was like two thousand nine yeah. or something. Of course, I thought it was dope. When he's like, "What the fuck is up, Coachella?" I was like, yeah. and then Snoop Dogg came out. The shit was, I was like, this shit is crazy. <laughs> but then when you get older and you start to think about, okay, who got the money for this? Who signed off on this? Would Tupac have won? And and we, there's so much footage of Tupac being this, you know, independent person who was very conscious of being taken advantage of by the government and, and the system and record labels and all this, that, and the third. Would he be okay with you using his likeness to make money that isn't going to him? Who's it going to? Then you got to start asking, like you said, if there's a way that the family's being compensated, I guess I'm more okay with it, but you know the money's not going to him. Who has, who's, who's given the green light for this to happen? 
But if he if if it's not going to him, who would he choose? It would be go to. It probably be his kids. We'll never know. He doesn't have any kids, so well, you know what I mean. Something like that. His, I don't mom, know. his mom's not alive, right? So yeah, I get that, it, and that's where it gets murky because you go, who's who's in charge of this train? When well, two, nobody can give the green light, then it when, wouldn't happen. So that doesn't matter. But no, that's not true because you can exploit somebody and just say, well, he's not alive. Who's who's gonna who's somebody gonna sue us? We're making a hundred million dollars a year from the Tupac football stadium hologram show. We're selling thirty thousand seats. People are lined up out of the gates. We got Snoop Dogg coming to every concert, special guesting. Who's going to stop this train? And who will go? Me. Because I, <laughs> I will go, this is awesome and I want to see it. I know that's fucked up, but I go like, this is dope. I didn't get a chance to see Tupac perform. So yeah. I will go, I want to go, man. I get it. And so there's more of a debate to be had as far as the Tupac hologram uh, situation is than there is yeah. about these AI, true crime. I think that this should, this should just be... Uh, Nipped in the bud, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it, this. Th- nobody wants this. Everybody thinks it's wrong. If there's TikTok accounts doing this, they should be shut down. This is not okay. And when you think about a family coming across it, it makes you sick to to think that somebody's playing. Like you said, you said you, you've done it with pictures of your mom. The idea yeah. that you would come across that you didn't make it, you would come across somebody exploiting somebody in your family like that that passed in a terrible way. It's you know, up. murdered, and and it's not even like you didn't do it for your own personal. You you didn't do it to make yourself feel better. You just come across somebody playing with the likeness of your child who was killed. You know, it, that's that's sickening. Yeah. So there's no there's no debate in this one, but I I just was like, where's the line when people think that this is okay to do? And that is why you know sometimes you you know I, I agree with people where you go the true crime genre has kind of jump the shark and it's become right. more entertainment than victim advocacy. Like, what are we here for? Are we here to disconnect and just tell stories that we think are crazy and make money and uh, tell jokes or sell things or whatever the fuck it is? Or do we really care about the stories that we're telling? Do we want justice to be like that needs to be always at the forefront. All right, folks. Well, we had some technical difficulties there. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but um, something disconnected uh, in the matrix. And we're going to keep the train going, though. Uh, that was uh, that was our conversation on AI and the whole true crime space and ethics and whatnot uh, as far as um, entertainment and telling a story about real people is concerned. Hope you uh, got some gems from that. If you didn't, I'm sorry that it got cut off. And that we're moving on from it, but it just it just has to go that way because yeah. we're still trying to figure this shit out, okay? But let's pat ourselves on the back before we take a quick break. Um, there's no patron uh, Patreon shout-outs this week, so we can we can just uh, say, join the Patreon. Please uh, feel free. We're now doing video. This is the pat ourselves on the back, friend. Uh, we yes. have our okay. first video episode of the podcast. Last week, we recorded ourselves for the first time, and it worked. Clearly, you know, we had some technical difficulties just now, but last week, technical difficulties or not, we were able to video record our first podcast. We put it up on our Patreon. It's available. You can see us in all our glory. This shitty lighting is, if you can now, I can tell people. This camera sucks. I'm using the MacBook camera. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's the lighting is crazy. You move it. Bought cameras. We bought cameras and he doesn't use it. Yeah, I'm being stubborn. I don't know why. Sometimes you sit it on the thing and it looks bulky, but clearly yours is crisp. 
yeah. looking, looking good. <laughs> so I need to follow suit so we can give people a better look and it doesn't look like I'm in an insane asylum. But um, we did it, you know. So a round of applause to us. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, we're killing the game. And now we have video content as well. So that's a pat on, uh, on our back for us. Thank you. Uh, to me and to you and for us being showing up and, you know, wearing a cool drug rug, uh, weed sweater and me oh, myself yeah. in the finest athletic quarter zip <laughs> uh, thing right here with a, with a kangaroo yeah. pocket. Yeah. You know, I keep snacks okay. in there. Um, but yeah, so you can, you guys can see us now and really vibe with us and yeah. see the expressions and reactions and everything like that. But do you got the, something coming to the Patreon? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, we talked about it. I don't, I'm not going to bring it up yet. Oh, okay. I I okay. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do it yet. Leave the but, anticipation. Yeah, yeah, I can leave a little cliffhanger, you know. Get you're excited. excited. You're excited. About I am it. excited. You're excited. I'm, very, I'm very excited about it, and I just want people to be ready. Can I tell them one thing? Yeah, sure. Yeah, go ahead. This is uh, exclusive Fran-led content. This is Fran unfettered. This is Fran unleashed. Yeah. All him. Yeah. You know, so uh, so be be excited. Be prepared for that. You're going to get the full Fran. Yeah, I, and I, when I say soon, I mean like the next couple weeks soon. It's gonna be pop. It's gonna be popping off. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Man. I'm excited. I hope the people are excited again. Join that Patreon. Get on there. We would love to see you. Hope you enjoy the content. If you're already signed up, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeInABook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories, and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my mylifeinabook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and, you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P, at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time, that's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. All right, and we are back. Fran, uh, this week, this month, it is June, which means it is Pride Month. And so I wanted to uh, tie some examples of crimes against the LGBTQ community into a conversation about, you know, how the legal system still has disadvantages that are slowly being corrected. Well, you know, there always be holes in the legal system, but this is one that I always have found interesting that it's a tactic that has been used before and successfully in ways. And that's the gay panic defense 
And so we're going to talk about the gay panty defense as well as some examples of, you know, crimes against LGBTQ people and community members and how this tactic, if you will, Mm -hmm. has been used in the past. Um, So for people who don't know, the gay panic defense or homosexual advanced defense is a strategy of legal defense, which refers to a situation in which a heterosexual individual charged with a violent crime against an LGBTQ individual can claim that they lost control and reacted violently because an unwanted sexual advance made that that was made upon that person. So basically saying, you know, somebody that was gay or lesbian or trans hit on me and that was an attack on my heterosexuality or my own morals or my character or whatever. And I just lost it. I was so offended at that, that I acted violently and I hurt them in instances, killed them. And this is a a tactic that has been used in court Mm -hmm. on several occasions and sometimes in ways successfully, I wouldn't say I've seen it. uh, I've seen examples where it went not guilty, but we will talk about several examples today where Somebody who blatant, this is a first degree murder charge, was hit with man, was charged with manslaughter and, and convicted of manslaughter instead when they went to when they went to trial. Yeah. So it lowered it lowered the penalty, it lowered the punishment. So almost saying a jury understood that, like, yeah. oh, hey man, they were gay. Why were they Why were they yeah. trying to be gay to you? Which so, is a win yeah. essentially, really. What? Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yes. If you kill somebody brutally. And it's clearly first degree, and you use this tactic to say, I lost my mind, man. I was just so offended that this gay dude, this trans woman, what this lesbian woman a- approached me, that I lost my mind. I, you know, I, I blacked out. You know, that's a term we hear a lot. I blacked out. I lost my senses for a second. I woke up, snapped to, they were not alive anymore. And sometimes, the, uh, depending on who the jury is, this has happened before. Yeah. I mean, this, is, this, is, this has worked before. This yeah. has been, somebody has gone, you know something? I get that. So, um, yeah, so in the United States, the LGBTQ plus community makes up about three and a half percent of the total population, and yet it is vastly overrepresented in hate crime statistics. In 2007, sexual orientation ranked third highest motivator for a crime that is of the hate crime variety at 17 percent of the total attacks behind race, which was at 51 percent and behind religion, which was at 18 percent. So, you know, obviously, you know, not these are all uh, their own communities that come with their own set of, you know, uh, you know, animosity, hatred, bigotry. Um, But to be at 17 percent when you only make up three and a half percent of the population is you're you're overrepresented by a lot. You know, you're you're, you know, you make up a big thing, you know. Yeah, I I did see that in 20 since 2013 that has been at least 128 transgender and gender non-conforming people have been killed in the United States. Yes. So according to a 2018 report by the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, at least 80% were transgender women of color. Mm-hmm. Nearly 7, 70% were black trans women. Yes. Which that statistic is absolutely insane. For sure. And I just, I think that's nuts, man. I mean, like that's, we see that just by the numbers that yeah. it's mostly colored. Black. Yeah. Right. Trans women. Trans people, trans women of color. Yep. And that, and that, I mean, I, I've, I've heard this statistic before. I've heard some of the reasoning for it before. I don't think I've ever discussed it with you on the podcast, but we're going to get into it today because we've found a story that centers around it, which is that a lot of black trans women intersection with sex work. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about this so many times, illegal, legalize sex work, legalize 
people being able to, you know, have a safe place to do this. The oldest profession in America, in the world is one of the oldest, one of the world's oldest professions, right? Because when you put somebody in a difficult situation to where they can't call the police for help, when they can't, you know, they're in bad neighborhoods, they're in precarious situations, they're, you know, they're doing sexual favors uh, in alleys and tucked away and with seedy people because they have to, um, then you're, you're putting them at risk and then also demonizing them when something bad happens to them because you just go, oh, yeah, well, they were a prostitute. So what else do you, you know, you, how do you not expect to get hurt? Right. And so um, a lot of black trans youth turn to sex work to because, you know, they're kicked out of their house to provide money to, to, for themselves to survive on the streets, um, to pay for uh, surgeries, aftercare, whatever it may be, hormone therapy. They turn to sex work to provide for themselves because a job won't hire them. Their families turn their backs on them. You know, the 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 shadow that cast that is casted by being trans takes away their ability to provide for themselves in a legal way. Yeah. And so now you're a black trans person or you're a trans person in general who has a target on their back, who has animosity coming their way because of that. And now on top of that, you're also a sex worker. So you don't have any type of already. The police don't, you know, you, you, the wrong police comes. They're like, I don't know, man, this is weird. You're a trans person. I don't, you know, I'm going to throw some anti-trans language your way and be dismissive of your problems. And now also you're a sex worker. So it's like, and I show up and you're doing illegal stuff. Oh yeah, man. Anything that happens to you, that's, that's on you. Yeah. So you, there's no empathetic, community outside of your own to turn to because everybody just goes yeah man hey man you're out there selling your body on the streets bad stuff's gonna happen you're out there being a trans and weird and un, un, non-conforming hey man you're asking to just have problems come your way so yeah. you're double at you're double asking for problems right. i think i i remember we had a conversation with um i think we did a town hall where we had Les come on our friend Les. uh-huh yes come on and i remember asking him how does he manage you know, his everyday life being a black African-American and being gay. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and with this, doing this story and hear about the two people or people we going to talk about being color, being people of color, being transgender, being a, uh, a sex worker, all that bought it. You got to walk around and try to, you know, like you said, have a target on your back and deal mm-hmm. with that every day. I mean, like, I can't even imagine the difficulty that they have to deal with every day yeah, and to be on high alert. You know, people want to attack. It's just like, I can't, I can't, you might not even know for what reason. Don't even know. You got pimps, you got, uh, religious people that hate you for being who you are. And then you got, uh, racism. Yes. It's, it's like you could get hit with a brick and you don't know why the brick came. Right. Yep. You know, it's, it's it's pick your poison. And one of the things less said in that, and we've had conversations about it before, but I think it's such a strong point is like to anybody that that's out there, you know, you know, who thinks that being gay is this choice. Less is always, you know, and, and less I'm so proud of him at how open and prideful he has been about who he is and his expression. And over the last few years, he's become so much more comfortable and I'm so proud of him for that. But what he said was, you think I would choose to be have to walk around and deal with the problems of being black and be you think I'm choosing to be you think I would choose like having to have co- awkward conversations with my family some family not wanting to talk to me people attack potentially attacking me not you know for holding my hands with the person I love you think I would choose to like add an extra thing to my life 
you know, when I already have something I have to do, I can't take my skin off everywhere I go. I have right. to be black. You think I want to? You think I'm choosing to be black and gay? That that seems kind of like setting myself up for a pretty hard life, life, right? If it was a choice, I probably wouldn't 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 make that choice. Yeah. I this is who I am. Yeah, and I think that's so powerful because again, it, it it applies to this. Like you think I'm choosing to not feel like I. I'm not in the right body that I'm in and be black in America. You know, you don't think I don't, you don't think I'm not aware of how hard life is already being a black person in America. You think I'm choosing to be like, let me, let me turn this, let me spice this up a notch. Yeah. You know? So, you know, that's kind of, you know, I don't like to, you know, I'm not trans, you're not trans. We can't speak for trans people, but you know, at the end of the day, my, my always, my final thought is I can't tell somebody what their lived experience is. Right. And so that it kind of it kind of ends there for me. It, yeah. it doesn't go any further. I have no further input. I have no further debate or, you know, you know, anything like that, because I go, this person's telling me this is what their lived experience is. And specifically when it comes to black people, I go, we have been through a crazy couple of years, been through a crazy couple of generations in this country. I don't think somebody would choose to make their life more complicated, difficult, no. dangerous. No, just cause. Something is needs to be worked out within them. Something is not being expressed within them. It's a real thing, and and we need to allow people the space to be able to express that. And that's just kind of where it ends for me. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good point you bring up, Fran, with the statistic about that, and that just sheds a little light on that. As far as you know, we talk about the violence rate and the murder rates of black. We talk about trans people, and then the the rates of those trans people that are being killed being black women uh, of the trans nature. It it the representation kind of hits at that point where that, where it intersections with sex work. Right. And being on the streets and uh, struggling and, you know, being homeless, kicked out by your family. And now you're left to the elements and you have to provide for yourself. So they're, they're putting themselves in the, they've been placed in violent situations, you know, through no fault of their own. In, in a lot of cases. I mean, if your family turns your back on you, kicks you out of, out of your house that you, the only house, you know, you got to survive somehow, Great. you know, money talks. So, I also need to, I want to state that it has to be said that the gay trans panic uh, defense is not an affirmative legal defense. You know, it is a tactic to strengthen the defense by playing to prejudice. Right. So it has, it has, however, been used not only to explain a defendant's actions, but to excuse them as well. So the defense typically has three variations. Right. It is defense of insanity or diminished, diminished capacity. Okay. Basically, I lost it. I, I lost my mind for a second. I was I was so uh, enraged at this person attacking me with their gayness that I lost my mind. Right. Which is nice. Uh, the, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. But this has worked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this has worked. There's the defense of provocation. Basically, they kept, uh, you know, they were they were egging me on. I told them I don't like. Um, men, trans people, whatever. I'm, 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 I'm a woman and I don't like women, but they kept being like, I could change your life. I could rock your world. They were provoking me. I told them I didn't like that. And they kept egging me on to do something to them by, um, harassing me. Basically. I just want to know, what do you call it? Cause by the term, well, it's, 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 it's self-defense. It's self-defense. Yeah, and there's but different it's not self-defense though. That's not self. I look at self-defense. When I think of self-defense, I think of, you know, you're being physically attacked. Yes. And you, whatever, you shoot or whatever hurts this person because you are being physically attacked, beating or whatever, and that person mm -hmm. ended up dying or whatever. That's self-defense. Sure. I, I just don't think it's the same. That's why I want to know what of the word, term, Of words. Of words. 
the wording you know, of what is it for you to go like, okay, this person was hitting on me, I felt uncomfortable, and I just and I just blacked out. In the cases where people have killed somebody, the person has turned out to be gay, it seems like a hate crime, and they're trying to make it not seem that way by saying, I'm the victim here. These are three of the defenses that they've used, which is diminished capacity, like I, I, I lost it. Uh, I was provoked into this. They just kept being gay. And to me, they kept being gay to me. And, and self-defense. They attacked me with their gayness. It was, they, they tried to thrust their gayness upon me in a, some kind of gay attack. And so I had no choice but to defend myself. Those are the three ways that it's happened when it's gone to trial mm -hmm. for a murder, an assault, or whatever. Now, whether or not it works is, is a different conversation. But these self-defense, provocation, and diminished capacity can be used by anybody. But when you try to say, hey, man, this person's gayness is the reason that I did what that I had. I had to use one of these three examples. Mm -hmm. That is where um, states have stepped in and said, we're going to you're not allowed to do that because statistically gay people are more risk of uh, hate crimes and attacks than being the the um, the cause of these attacks. Right. So to be able to kill somebody and then say it was their fault because they're gay. They were they're attacking me with their gayness is wrong. And we don't think that a, def a defense attorney should be able to try to demonize a person because of their sexual orientation. Right. Yeah. And try to get to get their client off. I, get, I agree with that. So anyway, for example, uh, William T. Simpson was a gay man who was shot and killed in North Miami, Florida in 1954. The defendant claimed that they shot Simpson, who was a gay man, like I said, while resisting his advances, thus utilizing the provocation defense. This guy kept hitting on me. I didn't, want, I didn't want that. I was afraid of what could happen. I shot him. Even though the defendants were criminals who frequented the area of highways to rob drivers and intentionally targeted homosexual victims, the defendants were convicted of manslaughter rather than first-degree murder. So, again, in this situation, these people were known robbers who targeted gay people, and then when... Something went, we don't know what happened, but something went wrong. And now this man who's a gay man was shot and killed. And somebody who has a history of robbery and is known that this is his tactic to go to a place where gay people hang out and rob them. When he shot and killed one of them, he said, no, 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 I wasn't robbing anybody. I was just living my life. And this gay guy came up to me and was hitting on me. And I felt like, you know, he was crossing the line and making me uncomfortable. And so I shot him. Yeah. And now did he get to walk out of jail and go home? No. But instead of getting a first degree murder charge, he got manslaughter. It changes the verbiage and it changes what happened exactly. when you go from a first degree murder, which is like in cold blood, intentional, you know, uh, malice, you know, to, oh, it was a it was an accident. We got into a scuffle and things went south and he's dead. It is, it's like an, it excuses your actions because, well, he was gay, man. Hey, what, what, gay people are ill. They're gross, man. What do you... What? Yeah, man, you shot him, but it's fine. Like it was an accident. He shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been trying to be gay to you. I, I, That's what that says. I think it's so fucked up that you can use that as a defense, For sure. and then the person, the the victim that's not alive anymore, it's kind of like they're throwing dirt on this person's name and this person's Absolutely. character to get off on whatever they their their homophobia or whatever it is that they do. Yes. With. I just think that that's, that's just fucked up. That's that, I mean, that's exactly, that's literally exactly what happens in most of these cases when this defense is tried to be used. It's like, I'm basically saying, hey man, this person is so abhorrent and um, sinful in their gayness that they're like 
thrusting it. They're going around thrusting it on people. And I just couldn't take that anymore. And I defended myself. I, 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 he was making me uncomfortable. She was making me uncomfortable. They were making me uncomfortable. And so I had to do something to defend my heterosexual, my cisgendered energy. I needed to get that shit away from me. And then there are juries who go, all right, well, you can't go around shooting people, but like, I get what you're saying. Cause like, that's mad gay. So I mean, manslaughter. And then if you're a, a, a defense attorney, you go, shit. I mean, you fucking shot the shit out of that person. Yeah. You are a cold blooded murderer, sure. but you're going to be, you're going to be home in, tw- in 12 years. Like you're going to, you're going to be home in 12 years. So wow. this is a win. This is a win. We, th- we won, you know? So this is a history of this happening. You know, things have gotten better and they continue to get better. There's a lot of steps to go, but we'll get into it and we'll continue. So famously Fran, um, this is case has been talked about a lot. I feel like I heard this on my favorite murder. I feel like I've heard this around, um, on multiple places cause it's a popular story and it was a popular show. So famously the 1998 murder of Scott, uh, Amadur by Jonathan Schmitz took place after an episode of the Jenny Jones show. Right. So after, after appearing on the episode, I don't know if you remember Jenny Jones. I used to watch a lot of daytime television, friend Ricky Lake, Jenny, Jenny Jones. What was that? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You heard of Jenny Craig? Um, no, but no, what? The, what am I missing? <laughs> Is that the same person? What? 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 What am I? What am I missing here? No, Jenny Jones. It was a talk show, right? Yeah, Jenny Craig is a a dietary <laughs> something. It's like milkshakes. <laughs> no way. Craig is like a fat <laughs> loss. It's like a fat <laughs> loss program. Like, <laughs> the fuck are you talking? Man, no, Jenny Craig is like a diet. You oh, go to sweet. lose weight. <laughs> hey man, man. Jenny, I, d- I just thought it was. Uh, I thought Jenny. She was, I heard of Jennifer Lopez. I thought it was. I thought it was some type of cool. I thought you know. It connected you thought they somehow. were like the same person? Yeah, I thought she just had... Because they both were named was, Jenny? She was going on different uh, business ventures. I thought she was just... Right. Oh, it's just Jenny. That's Jenny. Got it. So is there anything with Jenny before? It is a Jenny ice cream. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. No, no. No, Jenny Jones was a daytime television show, talk show. It was like Maury Povich, Ricky Lake, Jenny Jones, Remember Oprah. Ricky Remember Ricky Lake? Ricky Lake. Love Ricky Lake. Yes. But Jenny Jones was... She was sending kids to boot camp uh, and... Ricky Lake and her would both do, Jenny Jones did, secret lovers, you know, like uh, secret crushes. And there's been a lot of these episodes where they bring people out, sit them on a stool, and then somebody would read a note. Hey, I've had a crush on you since we were in middle school. You never noticed me because I had glasses and I sat at the back of the classroom. But now, even though you'd never give me a shot in high school, now I'm sexy and I want to see if you'd give me a chance. And then the girl comes out and she's wearing a bombshell dress. It's like a platinum dress or whatever. It's mini dress. It's dressed like Kelly Bundy. And then the guy's like, oh, Wonka, Wonka. Eyes come out of it. He's like, <laughs> man, I messed up when I was the captain of the football team and you were just the girl in art class. But now uh, I'm a, I work at a used car dealership and you're a supermodel. Would you please give me a chance? And then sometimes the girl will go like, no, in your dreams. Now I'm sexy and you could never have this. And sometimes they have a love connection, right? Well, they had an episode like that. And what happened was, um, so they bring uh, uh, Jonathan Schmitz out and do that whole thing. Read the note, da 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 whatever. And Scott Amador comes out. And Jonathan Schmitz didn't know he, he, he's not a gay man. So, so, so Scott Amador, and also because this is going to be a conversation that I hope doesn't come across the wrong way, but we're going to have it. So Scott Amador comes out and is like, hey, I, I had the crush on you in high school and Jonathan Schmitz is kind of, he plays it. He's pretty cool about it. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't say anything homophobic. I don't remember him saying, but he kind of seemed like weirded out, 
but not being mean, but being like, I'm not gay. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. And then after that, apparently uh, Scott left him some kind of note, whether the note was nice or something. I don't really remember. But they go back home because they're from the same town. Mm-hmm. They go back home and some time passed. In my mind, what happened was it's 1997, 98. This guy goes back home after being on television and being hit on by a man in the 30 years ago, homophobic as fuck. Everything's different. Went home, probably got called all kind of F words and gay words by his coworkers, people around town. Yeah. They're like, man, I saw we saw you on there, man. That dude like tried to come. Are you gay? Oh, I did see you guys used to uh, eat at the same lunch table in, in high school. Mm-hmm. I, were you guys fucking in school? But he dealt with all of that, right? In a, in, a, in a world that's incredibly homophobic, a different time, right? And and he and he said that he snapped. He 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 snapped and he went. He killed he killed um uh Scott Amador. I mean uh yeah he he killed Scott Amador. He shot him and killed him. And uh again in this case, like I said, he, he, the legal system he utilized his defense utilized the provocation defense, saying that you know the nature of the note that he left and him being on the Jenny Jones show basically uh Amador's homosexuality was too much and it sent Schmitz into this you know, blackout state. He, he, he lost his, he lost his mind. And he killed this man. Nah. And Schmitz was convicted of a lesser offense of second degree murder rather than first degree murder. And I think that he was able to use that because it was a different time in a jury. If I'm on a jury, you're on a jury in 1997, we're two different people. You know, we're, 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 we're heterosexual men. And we go, man, if somebody brought me on TV and was like, called me gay and on national television. And I had to go back to my town and everybody's calling me gay. I'd lose my mind too. You could find enough people on a jury to sympathize with that story enough to go. I mean, you can't kill people, but like, I get why you lost your mind. Man, he's going around telling people you're gay or people are going around calling you gay and you lost your shit, you know? And I think that if that happened in 2023, that person plays that cool and goes, cause it's a different time. We live in a, we live in a better time. It's still crazy shit, but we live in a better time. Where somebody could go on that show, uh, whatever the Jenny Jones of today is, uh, uh, somebody from their high school comes out and was like, oh, I'm gay and I had a crush on you. And you go, oh, man, that's so nice, man. I'm not gay, but thank you. That person is going to go viral, have all kind of opportunities come to them because they go, that was really nice, man. You took that cool. You were real chill about that. You weren't weird and homophobic. You just were like, hey, man, thank you. I'm flattered, but I'm not gay. But like, you know, you want to go get a drink after this? Like, we can hang out. We can be friends. Like, I'm just not gay. Yeah. That is that could go a whole different way today because the world is more accepting of everything. But in 1997, you just got seen on television being hit on by a dude, and now you got to go back to your little town, yeah. and everybody's calling you all kind of whispering about you when you come into the you know Piggly Wiggly or whatever the fuck, <laughs> and that could drive you crazy in the context of a sick and terrible world. Yeah, again, it's kind of I think it's a form of bullying. You know him having for to, sure him having to go home and deal with that now. Was the way he reacted right? Absolutely. Oh, not. absolutely not. And also, Scott Amador did nothing wrong. This is the format of the show. Yeah. This is the way they wanted to go. They knew it was going to be salacious. Yeah. So they kind of took advantage of Scott as well. But I don't think they saw it going this way. Yeah. But they definitely were like, "It's going to be crazy. Like you're gay. We don't think he's gay, but it'll be like funny. Yeah. That was the whole. That was the whole angle. Yeah. Like this will be funny and wild because because gay stuff's weird and funny. That's how they played it, and he they got somebody killed. Yeah. I don't. So Scott Amador, he didn't do anything wrong either. Just to be clear. No, I just think the. The nature of the note, that was bullshit. Him getting bullied from his friends and yep. him feeling less of a man or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, 
during that time, he was like, no, fuck this. I got to mm-hmm. do something about it. Like, I got to get my manhood back. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. This person embarrassed me. They wronged me. They made me out to be this. And the only way for me to repair this is to kill them. And that's crazy. Yes. Absolutely. But it it wasn't it was it wasn't crazy enough for people to not understand in 1998 and go well he did put him on TV and call him gay so let's bump it down to second degree murder because like I kind of get if somebody did that to me I'd be mad too how do you call him gay though he didn't but I'm just right. saying that's the world that's the world it was like, he didn't call him gay he just said like I think you're cute yeah you know I I, I told a story man listen I had my own I, and it wasn't homophobic it just was the way I. I it, the way I did it was it was clown and corny. It'll never happen again. I, I told a story. I was in Paris. I had on some I had on some I had on some Euro shit. You know, I was doing some Euro. I had the sleeveless, I had the sleeveless shirt on. Mm-hmm. I had the rock star belt buckle out. You know, I had the I had some some Euro cut jeans with some boots on. And I was feeling myself. I was I was walking the streets of Paris. I felt like I was looking handsome. Yeah. That's why I put the shit on, right? B- boom, we go to eat dinner. Me, Les, and two of our friends that were on the trip on. And a, a, a European gentleman approached me, 50, 50 plus, and came to me, excuse me, I just wanted to let you know that I love your look. I went, man, thanks, man. I'm not gay. And which is like, why did I need to even, you know, <laughs> I, it's like I felt the need to qualify. Yeah. I, I was like, but that's the home, that's internalized homophobia. I'm going, oh, you're hitting on me. Like, no, he just was, you put the shit on. For compliments. Feeling like you look, you, you felt like you looked nice when you put, that's why I put the shit on. Boy, compliments and that's a woman. Somebody, I wanted compliments yes. from a woman. That's home. That's homo. That's internalized homophobia. Yeah. So this guy came up to me and he was like, "Oh, I'm not gay either. I just was letting you know." Yeah. Not only Asshole. that, before I even get before I even got to that part, I went and because I wanted to be like, "But I'm not homophobic." So this is how in my head I was. Hey man, I like your outfit. Oh man, thanks. I'm not gay, but my friend is gay, and it's his birthday. Do you know any clubs around? The- I asked him a whole thing. Do you wow. know any gay clubs around here where my homie can you know yeah. ha- get get his fill? Yeah. I said all that off of I like your outfit. Yeah, that's how. That's how. Like I what I didn't think I was uncomfortable, but clearly I was uncomfortable because I did all that to qualify to be like, hey man, thank you for the compliment, but I'm not gay. But I do like gay people though because my friend is gay, and I like you. Maybe you could tell us a place where we could go that has gay people there, and we could all have a good time where my gay friend can have fun, and I'm not gay, but you're gay, and that's cool. I said all that off of I like your outfit. Yeah, I like it. I like your washed jeans and your run over boots. But you know, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. Yeah, I was like, he was like, you know. You like so he was like, and so basically, yeah. He 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 didn't backpedal. He said again, I like your outfit. Have a nice day. Nah, I just made that. it super weird. I'm like, like, I was take like, my <laughs> comment back. He he pulls it back. Like, you know what? Yep. I'm sorry, but I'm a simi number show. And he just walks away. Just, he just turned to Missy Elliott. Yeah, yeah. He, take, he, 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 he puts the thing down, flips it, reverses his compliment, and then just walks away from the conversation, yeah. which is completely justified because he just said he liked Miles. That is it. It's, sometimes it's internalized. You don't even know. You're not faced with it. You don't come across it. And when you are faced with it, your reaction says a lot about who you are. And I'm still to this day, I'm like kind of. It wasn't a big deal, but it was like I was ashamed. I was like, "Why did I do that?" I didn't. I don't. It was like completely uh, involuntary. I didn't. It just spilled. It like it like word salad. It just fell out of my mouth. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. I'm not gay, but that's cool. To you know, but do you know any gay stuff that's going on around here that I can take my friend to? Because it's his birthday. Why did I tell him it's my friend's birthday? <laughs> it's his birthday. He, he just, wants to do some gay stuff. Probably didn't even like you did that unconsciously. Like you didn't even. Bro, I just was talk. I just was. I just was like. I need to say whatever I need to say to go, hey, thank you. Yeah. Love gay people. I'm not gay. 
But clearly, I love people, gay people because I'm sitting at a table with a gay person. And thank you for the compliment again. Do you, would you like to talk about some gay stuff? I said all that. I tried to make him comfortable and make myself clear that I'm not gay. It was a crazy thing to do. Yeah. And it's all, that's all internalized homophobia, you know? So, again, rest in peace to uh, Scott Amador. This guy died because a TV show wanted to be salacious and scandalous and do something silly and wacky and quirky and taboo. And they ended up fucking with this guy, Jonathan Schmitz's life, because he wasn't asking for this. He was just at home, you know, and got a message saying somebody, he might have been a single guy. Who knows his life? He might have been a single guy, lonely. And then somebody's like, hey, would you like to come on a show? Somebody from your past has a crush on you and would love to confess it to you. He's probably thinking about the, the, the captain of the cheerleading team or his, a girl he dated. Whatever happened, his, it, that, didn't, that didn't run through his mind. That's what I'm saying. He ex- yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. he came there thinking, who knows? Maybe I'll have a love connection. Yeah. And, this was, and you know that the producers of this show weren't like, may, you think, do you think, what are the odds that you think the producers of this show were going, well, maybe he'll come in to the show, uh, Scott will come out and say his confession and then he'll say on national television in 1998, hey, man, I'm gay, too. I just haven't told anybody. You think he was going to come out on the Jenny Jones show? No, they knew it was going to be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not gay, but, or he was going to freak out and there was going to be a fight. That's what they wanted to happen. It just happens that somebody was killed. They got the emotions that they wanted. They just didn't get it on the show. And that guy went home and stewed on that. It could have been both. And got, it could have been, been both. I wouldn't put it past the producers to be like, Oh, best. I mean, that one. would be cool too if he came you out know, on. T- that's but, yeah, um, that's good television too. I'm sure they asked him before the show aired. You know, sometimes are you, are gay? you gay? And they got yeah, they sure. Like, oh, okay, we know this is the content we want to put out. This is kind of how we want for to sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They were like, so who do you think it's gonna be? He's like, I don't know, blonde with big boobs. I don't think when he said his description of what he wanted, who he wanted the person to look like, I don't think they thought. He could be talking about a guy if they asked those questions, right. I'm saying. Yeah, I don't yeah. know for sure. But if they did ask, like, do you have any thoughts of who it could be? I'm sure he was probably like, well, you know, Brittany this or Stacy that. And they were like, oh, shit. Well, he's going to be in for a surprise. When Scott comes out, this is going to be great television. Yeah. And they, that's all it was, was producer brain in their mind. They're like, this is going to be so old drama, conflict. And yeah, and a, a person was killed. So like I said, uh, that case ended in um, Schmitz being convicted of second-degree murder. So, you know, in that, th- in that case, he was able to plead, his defense was able to, pl- able to plead the case that he was provoked by, 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 uh, by uh, Scott Amador. He was provoked by him, and he had no choice but to, or not no choice, he had no choice in the fact that he blacked out or lost his mind, temporary insanity, and he killed him. Yeah. So, yeah, he was provoked into insanity. So, uh, like we talk about, we talked about uh, in, at the beginning, Fran, about the intersectionality of trans women and uh, sex work. A lot of trans women turn to sex work for a multitude of reasons, which we uh, addressed some earlier, um, and that only adds to the legal system dismissing violence brought upon their community. And this is where we get into the two cases that we um, this whole thing started with uh, one telling one story, and it kind of blew up into a whole thing that felt necessary to talk about. Yeah. So uh, it started with uh, Ashanti Carmen, who was about 16 years old when she first started walking the streets of Washington, D.C. to earn money after her family rejected her identity as a trans woman, making her homeless and desperate. 16 years old. It's, that's still a baby. Oh, uh, man. If my, and, and I think about if my mom, if, when I was 16 years old, if my mom was just like, hey, man. Get out. Yeah, I'm like, like what the hell am I gonna? What am I? What? And 
you're out get out and don't ever talk to me again like that's like not just that not just like hey you gotta fend for yourself i can't keep you know which is all already crazy but not but like angrily like get out you're on your own and don't ever talk to me again. I don't agree with your lifestyle. You eat too many Rice Krispie treats. You sleep until noon. Like, <laughs> this is unacceptable. Like, you're a dirtbag. You, you, you need to get him out. You're a dirtbag. Like, you're, you're an absolute dirtbag. Like, you're always in here watching Dude, Where's My Car? It's not a good movie. Like, you need, I don't agree with your lifestyle. You need to get out of my house and I don't want to know you anymore. That's a crazy, I couldn't imagine my mom doing, like, doing that to me. At 16 years old, no. you know, or at any point in my no. life, right? So that, you already got to deal with the, you, you just lost your family and you're homeless. You have nothing. And so um, Ashanti was like, I, I got to get out. I got I to gotta get it how I can, right? So over the following 10 years of her life, uh, Ashanti vacillated between couch surfing and staying at budget motels, like, like you know, day, pay by the day motels and stuff like that for 10 years. That was kind of her lifestyle. Mm. But after finding support from a community of other transgender women in Washington, D.C., um, she was able to pick her life up a little bit. She fell in love. She moved in with her boyfriend and saw it after uh, jobs in fast food restaurants. She started relying less and less on sex work, but, you know, it still was, you know, good money, even though, it was, you know, it is, it is a dangerous lifestyle. Yeah, it's a dangerous sure. lifestyle, but, it's, but it was good money, right? So, um, she, so like I said, so she, but she was trying to turn her life around. We've heard this story thousands of times. This is... When, when, life, when life comes at you, the worst ways is when you almost feel like you're about to turn that corner. So uh, on March 30th, 2019, at around 6.20 a.m., reports of gunfire were called into the PG County Police Department coming from Jost Street, which was a street just off Eastern Avenue, which is a popular strip for sex workers and a gathering place for transgender women. This strip also straddles the border between northern Washington and Maryland. It runs all the way down to Baltimore, as a matter of fact. I mean, it's crazy. There are, there are parts of Eastern Avenue in Baltimore that are crazy and wild. Yeah. But it, so it's, it's, it's a long strip. So Ashanti, who was only 27 years old at the time, still a baby, still. You know, you're, you're an adult, but still young, a lot of life to live. Ashanti had been shot multiple times and was pronounced dead at the scene. Mm. She and her friend, Zoe Spears, who was 23 at the time, also a baby, yep. were working Eastern Avenue together. And they had arranged for a date that would pay them $800 each. Wow. Which is uh, for a one night of work. That's a lot of money. You can't turn something like that down. But toward the end, Carmen was anxious and ready to leave. She was stressed out. You could, uh, it was visible on her face. This was Zoe Spears said. You could just tell, like, she was ready to get the fuck out of yeah. there. Uh, she, asked, she asked their date to hurry up and quit the chit-chat so everyone could get on their way. So let's get down to business. Let's get this let's done. Let's get so it go get so I can, go, I can get let's out get of here. Enough is like, ah, oh, man, you know you look like Kelly Rowland. Ah, man. Man. Let's get it Speed done it and get the fuck yes. out of here. I don't have time for this, right? So uh, finally, the date peeled off in a blue car, but another man in a white car pulled up after that and pulled up to the two women who uh, were just blocks from Zoe Spears' apartment. This man was angry. This is according to Spears, who was a witness. And he said, bitch, I thought I told you. You weren't leaving out of this. So, you know, we can all make guesses about who this person probably was. Some kind of pimp figure. Yep, that's what I was about to say. Uh, yeah. You know, Ashanti uh, was talking about leaving the industry. She found love. You know, life was going a different direction. And now you got this pimp rolling up on you. They don't want to lose the income that you bring them. I was about to ask. Now, do you think, uh, uh, obviously, we don't, we don't know anything about what <clears throat> pimps do and how that whole For thing sure. works. But, I mean, like. For sure. Do you think like this was like his number one? This is the person that makes my most the most money. 
she's been on the track since she was 16. I mean, she's, she's been out there That's for a long true. time. I mean, she, know, she knows the game. So possibly. She, I'll tell you like this. She, I feel like in that world, that underworld, dark world, where you're able to have a pimp figure exist and take advantage of people and take, ex- exploit people, um, take their money, hold on to their money, yeah. any dollar they get, they feel entitled to. It's valuable. They don't want to lose it. They're spending money that they don't have yet. So, you know, if, you, if she went and made $800 that night and that guy's expecting 500 of the 800, yeah. yeah, you know, and 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 also you're able to do stuff like get $800 in a night and you're talking about hanging it up. It's like, no, 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 no. You're able to give me $500 uh, a night. You're not quitting. Yeah, I, just, I just couldn't imagine, you know, the, the, um, the feeling that she had as far as being uh what's the word the anxiety of like I I wanna I wanna get out of this. It's but just, somebody but I got this sad. person yeah. behind me that's like that's threatening me and yeah you know just some stories and TV shows and movies they they make some like a pimps you know pimps are just smacking people around and violently Violence. violently hurting people it's like I couldn't imagine her going through that every night was like I don't want to do this mm-hmm. anymore and but I can't. It's not that easy. I'm in debt. I'm in. I'm in debt. I'm indebted in some weird way to this person. Exactly. Imagine if you just were like, "Hey, man, I, you know, I'm done at the post office. Like, I don't want to do this anymore." But there's this Debo ass dude that works here, and every time I mention, like, you know, I'm just kind of, I found a new job. I'm thinking yeah. of hanging it up. He's like, "Well, if you leave, I'm gonna beat the yeah. shit out of you." It's right. like, yeah. I just, you know, like imagine there being a barrier to you quitting a job. Like, you that can't you just leave the job. Exactly. You can, that I, don't, I hate. You gotta, and don't want to do anymore. Yeah, it's like if there's a fear of like violence or your life could be at risk for quitting. You don't want to do it. You found love. You're looking for jobs like a re- like a, a nine to five. Yes. You don't want to be in this industry anymore. You want I want to do like I want to go legit. But it, I I can I'm afraid to do that. Not because I'm afraid of like the universal afraid or the 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 spiritual afraid. Like I'm afraid. What if I fail? Yeah. Not that. Not I'm just afraid to take that next step. I'm a, I'm literally physically afraid that somebody will hurt me if I quit. Right. That's insane, you know. But uh, like I said, uh, Ashanti Carmen, she she uh, this person pulls up on them, and Carmen told her or told that man in that white van that she wanted out. She was engaged to her boyfriend who loved her. His name was Philip Williams, and referred to herself as Mrs. Ashanti Williams on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So she started already taking his name, yeah. and you know she was looking. She was looking forward to the future. It was like a new beginning. And, exactly, but she still had one foot in and one foot out, right? And she had at least one other job at a local Dunkin' Donuts. And um, that, and even though sex work was lucrative, it came with far less stress, to say the least. I mean, you don't have people pulling up on you in cars threatening you, right? So, well, I guess at Dunkin' Donuts you might. Yeah. We're like, I said, I wanted a, 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 I wanted a, a apple fritter, you bitch. And they throw it in the window. <laughs> I've never done that, but sometimes you get the donuts wrong. So um, there are even words from friends there that she was on the verge of becoming a manager at the Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. So she's, you know, she's, she's finding success in her life. Yeah. So the man asked Carmen whether she was sure she wanted to take this route. This is according to Zoe Spears. But Carmen held her ground and was like, hey, man, listen, I'm out. Yeah. I'm leaving this. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of this shit. The guy pulls a gun on her and shoots her three times where she stood. Mm. Uh, when she collapsed to the ground... He then fired an extra two shots, mm. executing her. Yes. 
Uh, Zoe Spears didn't reveal this crucial information to police until May of that year, which is almost three years later. So this happened in uh, uh, March of 2019, and not until May of 2019 did Zoe Spears come forward and say, "Like I was a witness, I was right there when this happened." Right. So Zoe, but hey, but better late than never, right? So the case was re- the case was like put on ice for three months. They didn't have any leads, yeah. and then Zoe Spears comes forward and says. There was a man in a white van, gave a description of what he was wearing, and then the case starts to take some steps. Now they start to be able to yeah. look for a suspect. Zoe right? had to play it smart. She had to because protect we're herself because as well. She's going to get to her story, and they was they were best friends. And she, I think by her waiting and being scared, I got to protect mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Because if they find us, like... If they find us, I snitched. I was right there. So if, if somebody gets arrested, yeah. they know they I was know right there when they it happened. They know it was me. Right. So, but even, you know, hey, unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Tragically, not a month later from her coming forward to the police, on June 13, 2019, Zoe Spears will be discovered shot to death in Fairmount Heights in D.C. The only lead, the only lead detectives had was grainy security cam footage of a van that pulled up. They had a conversation in the, in the footage, and then there was a muzzle flash, and then she drops to the floor, and then the van drives off. They asked motor vehicle uh, divisions in the DMV area, which is the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. We've talked about that before. If people don't know, we're not talking about the Department of Motor Vehicles. We're saying it's like the area, the three states. Well, D.C. is not a state. Whatever. We'll move on. Um, So they asked the DMV area uh, motor vehicle divisions for all the records that they had on Dodge Caravans because one of the police detectives was was able to identify because he owned a Dodge Caravan. He was like, that's a Dodge Caravan in that security footage. So they pulled up. They asked for all the information they had on Dodge Caravans. They got 50,000 results. They called, they called Dodge dealerships and learned that the van was a distinct model with a unique silver color. So then they go back to the, um, the DMV uh, registry and they're like, how many of the, the Dodges are silver? That search narrowed it to 3,000. Yeah. What is the positive, um, positive lead? You're shrinking down from 50 results? Oh, from 50,000 to 3,000? For sure. Going in the right direction. Um, th- and because it was a unique silver, they were able to uh, uh, accompany that with the license plate. They were able to get a license plate uh, scan. Mm-hmm. So the license plate scan, along with the color, they were able to get one match. And uh, so they got a hit on the van, and uh, they found footage of the van being in the area the night of the shooting. Now, so um, I did want oh, to ahead. ask you... Um, as far as them being able to get a match on that license plate, mm-hmm. they use the uh, what they call the automatic license plate readers, which is, L- which is ALPRs which, that we see a lot on cars, on mostly cop cars. I think this, I think it's like also like undercover cars have them as well. I uh-huh. always thought that those things were to flag license plates if somebody's driving with a suspended license. That's what I thought they were used uh-huh. for. Sure. But I think they are used for that, but I thought that was just the sole purpose of the... But they're also used to compare plate numbers against those of stolen cars and people who committed oh. in criminal activity. I didn't yeah. know those things went that deep. I just thought they was like just some extra shit to try to get people tickets. Well, it can be used for petty things like that for sure, right, but yeah, in yeah. this case, it was used for a bigger purpose. I mean, either way, they're, they're um, getting their license plate scanned. It serves a ton of purposes, man. In this case, it was able to track down the guy who shot Zoe Spears in cold yep. blood. Um, after about about five weeks of searching, 
the PG County Police Department was able to announce that they had arrested the man behind the wheel of the Dodge uh, Caravan the night of Zoe Spears' shooting, the van that was caught on camera. So uh, they arrested Gerardo Thomas, who was 34 years old. He was charged with first-degree murder in connection with Spears' death. Uh, At the time of his arrest, police said that Thomas allegedly shot Spears while he was sitting in a rented vehicle parked on a street in Fairmount Heights, Maryland. So I I think I... um, got distracted and was I didn't mention the fact that the Dodge Caravan that was in the footage, he rented that car that yeah. night, right? Which is, he and and this man lives in Baltimore. So he rented the Dodge Caravan in Baltimore and then drove up to D.C. In his own name and everything. In his own name and everything, rented the van, drove, drove up to D.C. that night. So he dr- rented the van to go drive to a known area where sex workers yep. are. Um, man, that's just that's some real shady, that's some like, it's very shady, shady but shady. also when when you for us to say that as you know at home couch detect whatever we want to call ourselves when you hear what the police announced at, throughout this whole process it makes you go like huh because that feels weird to me and I know I'm not a detective I don't do your job but like that feels yes. weird but anyway so but just keep that in mind what I just said so shortly after Spears approached the car and spoke with the man through the front seat passenger side window she was shot with a shotgun mm. and let and left to die. Um, police said that they had no evidence to link Carmen's murder to Thomas. So they're saying Gerardo Thomas, we can't say that Gerardo Thomas is responsible for killing Ashanti Carmen, but they aren't, I don't understand. Cause I, I did, I did a ton of research and I'll get into the stuff that I wasn't able to find. And I, but like, they're saying that, but they're not saying we're not able to link the fact that Zoe Spears is next to uh, Ashanti Carmen when she shot and maybe Gerardo Thomas knows the gentleman who shot Ashanti uh, Carmen, and this is some kind of high. You know what I'm saying? Like it just is like to just say all of this. They're basically the police department saying all of this is coincidence. Yeah, I, like she, Zoe Spears is also a sex worker, and so she lives a dangerous life, and so she ended up being a victim of the the life as well. Yeah, I, I, and it's just a coincidence that she just came forward and and started giving information on the fact that she was right next to somebody when they got murdered. I find it hard to believe that, you know, both of these transgender transgender women were. Shot and murdered mm-hmm. between a what a three month period that this happened yep. and knew each and other. knew each other in the same city like a mile I think I think uh um Zoe died like maybe like a mile and a half or like three miles something like that where Carmen was shot mm-hmm. and killed. It's the same sex worker I, area. It's the same I, area where they. You I know? find it hard to believe that it's a quote unquote coincidence that they just happened to they they. Uh, both do sex work and it's dangerous, and they just they both did sex work. Did sex work together, yeah. and Zoe Spears was next to Ashanti exactly. Carmen when she was and killed. They both was killed. I just and Carmen her and, hers was unsolved, and Zoe Spears just started coming forward and yes. giving information to the police. You know what I'm saying? It's just like to to just go. Oh, I get what you're saying, but all oh, that's such a coincidence. To, to be like, oh, it's just yeah, man, that's just. It just, that doesn't even make any sense for somebody to come out and like, hey, like I hear just, what you're saying. It's, it's like all somebody, random. Imagine like somebody going like I hear what you're saying and like that does sound crazy, but like no, it's just a coincidence. It's all, this is this is a random attack. This it's isolated like, attack what? that had nothing to do with. I just come on now. I, I'm not buying that. So uh, you know, so like I, I said, uh, according to her friend Spears would tell them that she feared returning to her home along Eastern Avenue at the district uh, district. Maryland line, which is the DC mm-hmm. Maryland line, because she witnessed her friend Carmen being killed in that area. So by Zoe Spears' own admission, you know, she felt like because she witnessed that murder, 
she didn't feel safe. Yeah. And then she still swallowed that fear because her friend's murder was unsolved and started to come forward about it. And once she did, a month later, she was dead. Hmm. So Ashanti Carmen's case remains unsolved to this day. Both of them. And Gerardo Tom- remain unsolved. Both of them. But Gerardo Thomas is in custody. He's being held without, he's been held without bond since his arrest. Uh, his trial was uh, uh, of murder in the case of Zoe Spears was set to begin in 2020, but was postponed due to the pandemic. Um, and I've been a- unable to find any updates on this trial. Like I looked uh it's 2023. Yeah. I don't know if the, tr- the trial is still postponed. It, I don't know if it went to trial. I don't know what happened. I have not been able to find anything. So if anybody has any updates who can, maybe you can um, enter databases that we don't have access to. I don't know, but like a cursory Google search, a deep Google search. I'm talking page 10, page 11. I mean, I went pretty deep. I was not, not able to find any like the trial for Gerardo Thomas began today on April 2022. Nothing like it's still, there's no updates. You get bond for murder? Do you get bond for murder? For murder? Case? No, I mean, I'm, I'm. Maybe you can, but it, it's, it doesn't happen okay. very often. You usually don't get bond for capital murder charges. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe second, deg- maybe like a manslaughter, maybe some, maybe something like that. Maybe you could get bond, but not for like first degree, like first degree homicide. Like I don't capital murder. I don't think you're getting a bond. So yeah, man, that was the story of Zoe Spears, uh, Ashanti Carmen, and the gay panic defense and how it's been uh, used throughout time. I had a list here. I don't know if I still have it pulled up, but it was a list of, uh, I'm going to pull it up right now, actually. So there's a list of states that basically, so um, there are states that have put into legislation bans on this tactic. Because like I said, there's, there's not an official law or anything that says, um, oh, they were being gay to me, so I've defended myself from their gayness. But you can use... Uh, different type of literature, different types of wording to convince a jury that it's okay, that it was self-defense for those reasons. There are states that, that put into legislation like, no, 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 you cannot uh, demonize a person based on their sexual orientation in order to get, a, uh, to get uh, somebody off or get your, uh, uh, your, uh, <clears throat> your client off on charges. Yeah. Um, so it, it, gets, it, gets, it dies on the floor in Senate Every time, every time it's uh, federal, you know, when it gets when it's tried to be, uh, you know, because federal consists of the entire country, it dies on the floor. Every time they try to get a, a federal law passed to make it like this is not a tactic that can be used at all. It dies. But since 2013 started in California, there have been states that have gone. You can't do this. Maryland's one of those states. And you can kind of guess what states are still allowed to do it. <laughs> you know, you like, I mean. Some of them, maybe not surprise you, but they also wouldn't surprise you if I read it, which would be like Georgia. You can still like, hey, man, he was gay. So I lost my mind. You can still do it in Georgia. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Texas, Florida. South. Iowa. South. A lot of South going on. Yeah, Iowa, Midwest, but yeah, still yeah. like kind of rural, conservative. Uh, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Nebraska, okay. Arkansas, North Carolina. So those are the only states that are still, you can still get away with, um, you know, not you can use hurting it. a person. You can still, use it. You can yeah. still say this person uh, provoked me by being gay and coming on to me or they may, I lost my mind. You can still try to use the fact that somebody's gay as like defense for your violence against yeah. them. So it's just something to think about. Um, uh, I, like I, 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 I did yeah. see, I found something where um, in the Washington Post it mentioned that in 2011, just blocks from the site of Carmen's death that there was a 23-year-old transgender woman 
named Lachey McLean, who was sh- who was also shot to death. In July of 2016, about a mile away, 22-year-old Daniqua D.D. Dodds, also a transgender mm-hmm. woman, was fatally shot in the neck during a robbery. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor said that a group of men targeted Dodds and other victims for robbery because they worked as sex workers and had cash. Mm-hmm. I felt like they probably felt like they were easy yeah, targets yeah. too. So you, so like I said, it, it's that intersection of being trans, family turning their back on you, turning to a profession that you know, and there being a community there, there being love and welcoming there because you you find other trans women who are also sex workers, and so they welcome you into the community. And so you find a home, but that home is in a dangerous space because sex work has been demonized and is a taboo thing to be doing, and so you have to do it in the most seedy and scary situations, which leave you vulnerable to crime. You know, so you, you're, you have these targets on your back and it's really unfortunate, man. It's a tough life. So that, that, that intersection of, you know, trans person and sex work ups the stakes of, you know, the safety of their day-to-day life. And it's really unfortunate. But um, yeah, like I said, I just felt like this was an interesting conversation to have. I thought it was, you know, um, good to shed light on those cases and mention that one is still unsolved and the other one, there's a person that was in custody as of 2020, but I don't know the next steps that happened with that case. For all I know, he, he wasn't the person that did it and they let him go. I don't know. So there's two cases that I feel like, you know, we should let's, let's get some updates on these if we're able to. Like, I, I don't, you know, first of all, justice for Shanti Carmen. Her murder was never solved. So you know, it's just, you know, let's let's try to get the ball rolling on things like that. And it was good to talk yeah. about. And, um, yeah, so, Fran, uh, what are you thankful for right now? Uh, I am thankful for um, being in a position where we can, where we have a platform where we can come on here and talk about, you know, uh, stories like this and have these difficult conversations that most people are not comfortable with having. And people listen to us and, you know, kind of, mm-hmm change that maybe change their mind on things or maybe want to you know take a big step and trying to help out when we tell these different stories but i am thankful for that that we have people that want to listen to us tell these stories and give our opinions and and how we feel about them um so i'm thankful for that yeah for sure that's good uh i i'm thankful for time um i think that it's important to be aware of time and once you are aware of time you can master it in your own ways sometimes it can get away from you and so i always like to just give thanks to time being present uh understanding that moments don't last forever whether good or bad and just being able to weather them or sit in them and enjoy them for the time being and so uh i'm just thankful for time and life and you know enjoying the moments that are we're sitting in and also looking back at the moments that have happened and you know appreciating them for what they were and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I'm I'm just thankful for time right now. Also, clean air, you know, it's, uh, the the air is clear, cleared up a bit. It's it's uh, it's not as like looking like the Book of Eli outside as it as it was a few days ago. And so yeah, I'm hopeful that I don't know the world's not ending. So that's good too. Um, but uh, yeah, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get up out of here. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner and true crime friend. So Evan, see you guys next week. Deuces. Also, join the Discord, right? Yeah, join Discord from the Murder Pod. If you haven't, 